0: Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. That's when it got off. And it up, Kelly McCartney joins me for this episode of Wheels Off and brings such a cool perspective. She is a broadcaster, a playwright, a journalist, an activist. She has a show on Apple Music Country called Record Bin Radio, where she explores the connections between vintage and modern roots music. She's all up in it. She, she knows a lot, knows a lot of people, has a lot of stories, has done a lot. She also writes, she's a journalist. She's also done some work writing for the theater. And she's done a lot of great work as an activist. Her Rainy Day Fund helps marginalized country and Americana artists and is great. And I'm sure that the producers of Wheels Off have put a link in the show notes to that. But yeah, that's definitely a great thing that she does. And um, I'm so glad I got to talk to her because creativity takes a lot of forms. And some of it is super obvious, you know, and some of it is... Like it requires a little more explanation, you know? So what Kelly McCartney does is a lot of curation. It's a lot of presenting, finding, contextualizing, but it's really valuable. You know, people like me rely on people like Kelly to bring our work to the world. And, you know, sometimes to explain it and sometimes to sort of put it into a larger story. And Kelly does a great job of all of that stuff. I'm so glad I got to speak with her for Wheels Off, and I'm so glad that you are about to listen to it. Enjoy. Welcome to Wheels Off, Kelly McCartney. I'm so glad to have you. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Hey, I have no idea how I ended up on a list with like Liz Fair and Maggie Smith and North Jones, but happy to be here. <laughs>
0: That's super cool. For the edification of our listeners, from where are you joining us?
1: I am in upstate New York, sort of. I never know whether to call it the Catskills or the Hudson Valley, because it's just, so I just go upstate.
0: Yes. I'm not far from you. And when I moved here 18 years ago, I called it upstate regularly. And then people started yelling at me, people from who are from Albany or Syracuse. They're like, bro, you're not in upstate New York. I was like, well, okay.
1: Well, I think the... The what I had read was the official cutoff. If if you're north of Culinary Institute, ah, okay, then you are upstate. So
0: Which you are, and I'm not.
1: So okay, wow. so they they were correct in uh, correcting you.
0: You are so far away. I thought you were close. I take it all back. <laughs> um, so wow. So thank you, and uh, and I'm wondering. Uh, I love that you're joining me from home. I'm guessing you're able to do a lot of work now from home, which it's probably great.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I've always been a home, a homebody and a home worker for the mm-hmm. most part. Uh, I'm not really in office. I've tried to have an office job a couple of times. You know, it's just some of us just aren't built that way. It, Amen. It's, <laughs> it's kind of kills your soul a little bit every day. Um so but but yeah it's it's been wonderful to to keep things moving and even long distance and I, you know in in some ways i think it's it's some of us have been able to do even more work because everybody's now adapting to the online thing so yeah
0: um what creative project are you working on right now and how does it light you up
1: oh gosh well my show record bin radio on apple music country is just it's the dreamiest gig ever right i mean you know yours is pretty good too i'm not gonna lie i'm <laughs> i'm not really i don't want to be on the main stage so i you know i'll leave that to, to to folks like you but um yeah being able to curate an amazing playlist and talk to fascinating people as you know is it's just wonderful to share and support the music that I love and am passionate about. And then to, you know, to get messages from listeners. Um, it's just, it's just the best thing in the world for me. You know, I was, cause I was the kid who was like making the mixtapes off the radio, like waiting for the song to come on and then running over, you know? So I've been doing that and then it was mixed CDs and all of that. So it's just such a natural thing for me. And, you know, like I just had, I just did a a special with Ricky Lee Jones. Wow. Who, you know, is just brilliant. And I've gotten several notes from people who were just like, Oh my God, I cried. She was my hero. She was my icon, my inspiration. She's so underappreciated and thank you so much. It's like, gosh, my pleasure, you know? So yeah. Um,
0: so when you were talking about working from home and not going into offices, obviously, I get that as well. It it does require a, a lot of self-motivation. And I wonder if maybe having like a deadline for the Apple bin music thing, does that help you? Do you ever run into problems with that self-motivation?
1: No, I'm pretty good about it because I'm one of those borderline workaholic types. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of I have my work day, you know kind of a nine to five thing and yeah uh, i have a different dog than i've had in the past now but you know you if you have a dog they're gonna let you know when it's five o'clock because it's dinner time <laughs> so you know that's a nice thing to be like right you're right i need to shut it down for the day um so I, i'm pretty i've been always pretty good about that but um i can see how it you know somebody like like a touring musician your schedule is different every day. So then transferring that to homework is, would be challenging. But when you're just sort of cruising along, like I have, I think it's probably easier.
0: And I wonder about when you do um, writing, you know, I wonder how, like how different is that for you? Does it just slot right in or do you have to change gears?
1: Oh yeah. It's a, it's a huge gear shift for me. Um, just I just, carve out a day. It's like, okay, today is a writing day and, and get into that mind space because it is very different. It's it's an output of creativity rather than, you know, like putting together a show playlist. It's just like it's it's the reverse because I'm listening to things and figuring out how they fit together. And oh that reminds me of this. I want to put that with this. So it's it's like this putting this puzzle together that's external rather than putting words together, which have, I have to come up with. So, yeah, it's very different brain space for me.
0: So starting out, did you, okay, I, I love the, by the way, the, the image of you as a kid running, cause I remember those boom boxes and there'd be the radio and then you could record the radio yeah. and, um, and the quality was terrible, but Horrible. We, didn't, we didn't really have an idea of quality as a concept. It was just whatever.
1: I just want that song,
0: you know. Exactly. So, um, which I, so I love that that vision. But I wonder, as you were doing it, when you were a kid, did you did you see? Because your job to me is very mysterious. You know, like you do a lot of stuff. It's multi-hyphenate. You know, it's one of those things where you know, it's uh, probably for like squares in offices, they're going to be like, "I that's not a job. Like whatever these things are you're describing, that can't be, come on. Um, But so I wonder for you, was there like an epiphany moment where you knew that sort of you had this vision of what you were going to do or how did that come together?
1: Oh boy, you know, it's been an evolution. Um, Ever since I was a kid, I knew, well, A, I loved music and, I also knew I was a pretty good writer. And so as a teenager, I've kind of had this moment like, Oh, well, I'll be a music journalist done. I'll move to LA. I'll write for Rolling Stone, easy breezy. Let's go. Uh, So, you know, I got a degree in journalism and that was where my sights were set. But then I got a job as a personal assistant to to Susanna Hoffs from the Bengals and then started like booking clubs and working with artists and, you know, eventually in working at a record label and doing all that stuff and going on tour. And so I kind of got a little bit sidetracked. So I understand that people are who would be like, yeah, that's not a job because it's kind of it was kind of faking it a lot um so it wasn't until t- and I, you know and I did dabble kind of would like write do some music journalism on the side over the years and then in, t- in late 2013 I was just having this moment um just not knowing what to do with myself because I had quit music a few times and come back to music and done activism and a lot of different things and I was like okay I really i got to figure this out because music is my passion. And it was that contemplation of what are you good at? What do you love? What can you make money at? And music was at the, in the heart of it, but I had to figure out how to do that in a way that didn't make me want to quit again. And what I realized was that by working with artists in the way that I had, I was sacrificing my own creativity to support theirs. And that was what was making me want to quit. And, you know, the general artist neuroses. <laughs> um, so that's when I was like, okay, I need to, let's, let's do music journalism full time. So I moved, I was in Southern California at the time. So I moved back to Nashville and just kind of dove in and it worked. And, and that started happening. And then I started. Hosting uh, the podcast radio show, hanging and singing, and really loved that more more than writing because it's easier. Frankly, <laughs> it's easier to just talk to people <laughs> than to sit down and fill a page. Um, and that led to this Apple Music gig. So, yeah,
0: that's- one. I wonder if the like the hanging and singing thing where that you you know, found to be finally so joyful. I wonder if that what worked for you because it was the good things of all the other things you'd been doing, but without having to like babysit or be responsible or deal with the neuroses.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it was. And and I realized back in that sort of, I call it my come to Jesus moment in late 2013, I, I had this wonderful conversation with Annie Roboff, who's a songwriter. And we didn't know each other, but somebody connected us just on a whim, thought we should talk. And she kind of quizzed me about my whole career and my interests and my passions. And she's like, yeah, you're a writer. She's like, but the thing is, you can do interviews with artists that nobody else can do because you've, you know, because of my, I've done every job in the music industry from, you know, babysitting artists to touring you know i know what it's like to have the bottom bunk above the gearbox you know um so like i understand the artist's life and the pro, the creative process and the business side and those struggles so i was like yeah hey that's yeah that's a good point point. and so i've just kind of poured myself into that and sort of making that my strength um because it's also my passion. You know, I wonder a lot about
0: that. The, the idea of experience versus, I don't know, learning as it were, you know, I, I, I was at Sarah Lawrence for a minute to learn writing and it, it hit me like, I would way rather go live a life that, that gave me, you know, ideas and, and, and turn that experience into something rather than, learn, try and learn and read books and have workshops and all that kind of stuff. But so like, I wonder about the alternate career path, like the kind of thing that you did where you followed opportunities, I'm guessing, and you just kind of bounced around and figured out what you liked and didn't like. And I mean, you did go to college, right? You obviously studied journalism, but... um. But you'd instead of going straight into, you know, instead of going to Criscow and getting, a, you know, whatever the entry-level job there, and just, you know, climbing your way up that weird ladder, like you found, you found this really strange path. And I just wonder, it gave you a perspective that nobody else was going to have. And I, I wonder if there's something to that that experience, the unexpected experience. And I wonder for you, if you would look back at the choices that you made to do these unexpected things and you, even though if they didn't work out, if you're like really grateful, if you would recommend that?
1: Well, (laughs) recommend might be an overstatement (laughs) because I think everybody's path sort of unfolds as it's meant to. But I mean, I'm incredibly grateful that I've had the experiences I've had even though you know i have no retirement savings (laughs) you know and i haven't had health care for a lot of my life you know all of those things it's been hard and yet i'm also sort of i kind of joke that i'm kind of the forrest gump of music um because somebody will mention somebody and i'll have a story you know because like oh yeah oh yeah i've hung out with Joni mitchell like three times oh yeah i did this you know like i'm two degrees from pretty much anybody Because of all of the different experiences, and and it kind of blows people's minds, you know, that I have bounced around. Because even geographically, L.A., San Francisco, Nashville, Boston, New York, like I've lived all over the place as well. So that gives me a a wider perspective than somebody who like just moved to Nashville and you know clogged their way up that way too. Because every place just like every job like it's a bubble and you kind of get blinders and you know if you're just in the Boston folk scene then that's what you know and that's what you've seen well i've seen that and i've seen the la folk scene and the nashville country you know Americanas. so yeah i'm grateful for that very broad perspective and the very broad experience um i'm kind of one of those people who's like pretty good at a lot of things but not great at anything (laughs) you know because like you said i didn't just like get on a track and follow it up and and so you know when it comes time to apply for a job my resume just people don't know what they're like what am i looking at you know (laughs) so like yeah i don't i don't know what to tell you (laughs) so thank god for apple music
0: (laughs) amen right yeah I do. I I think, I think it's so cool. Um, A thing that comes up in these conversations a lot is the idea that to do this, to live this kind of life, especially when you consider, and like I try not to get too hung up about it, but it is true. Like when I'm hanging out with, you know, somebody like you that has a similar kind of life, I, we do end up lamenting um, our lack of savings or health care, you know, um, so there's obvious things that make it really difficult but you know there's a lot there's just a lot of tricky stuff in this and I just think there's so much bravery that goes into you know stepping outside of some pre determined path and just doing tr- weird things and trying weird things and and to hear you tell your story really to me that it's it's just a great example of that like really following your your instincts and trying things and being brave.
1: Yeah. And, and, also, I mean, thank you. That's, that's generous. Uh, Cause some of it was just like holding on. For, well, well, let's be honest. A lot of it was holding on for dear life, you know, and like grabbing whatever I could in any given moment. Um, but yeah, some of it has been somebody seeing me and going, Oh yeah, come, come do this. I'm like, cool. Okay. You know, they saw something in me. Um that you know that sparked them you know and i and honestly i give so much credit and i have so much gratitude for susanna hoffs um you know i was 19 or 20 and she's like height of the bangles. well the bangles had just broken up it was late 1989 but she's like at the height of her her stardom and you know and she hired me to to be her personal assistant and to like organize all. And I, I say, she I always joked that she trained me really well. Cause she, you know, I organized all of her memorabilia, you know, like cards from prints and <laughs> clippings from this and that and videos. And, you know, and it was a, a front row seat to the music business because then she started her solo career. And so we made a record and dealing with a major label and, going on tour. And so I got to see it all at a very high level. And at the same time, I was starting to like help local bands. And so I was able to sort of filter that through and, and it was such a great education and you know, that she and I are still friends 30 some years later um, is just so wonderful. And I still help her with things now and then when when she needs help, because, I'm just like, so I am, I will always be your personal assistant. I don't even care (laughs) what, (laughs) what I'm doing or what, you know? So um, yeah, she just, that experience was just absolutely priceless to me and, and, and set and set me on my way um, to, like you said, sort of trying on different things and figuring out what fit. And a lot of times it wasn't, it was like a piece of this I like, you know, like doing contracts of Virgin records. I hated it, but I learned, I learned how to read a 60 page artist contract and understand it, you know? And, um, I negotiate, I helped negotiate Ben Harper's first contract, you know? So it's like those kinds of things. That's, That's cool. Just, those are the stories that I could tell somebody's grandchild because I'm not going to have one. <laughs> um, that's one another thing that comes up a lot
0: is the the sort of beauty of collaboration right like this industry for all of its cutthroat reputation is really built on people doing it because they love it and helping other people to do it and I just I love I love hearing about Susanna obviously I I, you know my interactions with her over the years have always been that she's like the coolest sweetest classiest kindest person
1: yeah most humble rock star you'll ever meet
0: (laughs) yeah but um but just so like I wonder i'm I'm sure that there have been people that have come along that you've wound up sort of paying it forward, and you've been someone that's kind of stepped up and mentored people I'm imagining
1: I don't know about mentor necessarily, but i yeah, I've definitely tried to to pay it forward, and you know i there's a- there's a brandy Carlisle lyric uh that I sort of try to keep in my mind a lot, and it's do I make myself a blessing to everyone I meet? Yeah. And I tried I try to live that in my professional life and my personal life and everything. And, you know, so a side project that I have is the Rainy Day Fund, which yes. gives grants to marginalized artists in Roots Music. Um, and that is that work is so gratifying to be able to just reach out and say, Hey, I see you. I want to support you. We don't have a lot of money, but here's some, you know, like I just emailed an artist yesterday and I said, you know, it's only 500 bucks. I wish it were more. And they were like, every little bit helps. Yeah. You know, and that's the kind of ground level work that is so meaningful. Um, And, and to see then, you know, somebody like Yola or Amethyst Kia, you know, like they're, they're like in the stratosphere now, at least, at least in my world, you know, they're not Beyonce, but whatever, that's not what I'm aiming for. (laughs) Um, So to know that we supported them at a moment when they needed it. And it was like a make or break moment and we were there to help them. And now they're soaring. Like, that's just, uh, you know, there's, there's no price to put on that.
0: Yeah, I love the work that you're doing with the Rainy Day Fund. And I'll make sure that the producers in the show notes put a link to that. And anybody listening, if you've got the resources, that's that's a great way to help. You know, it's it's a, it's a hard job anyway, but but yeah. for the marginalized, it's even that much harder.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we just launched, well, we, back in December, we launched the Coloring Country Artist Fund to support BIPOC Artists in Country Music, and that one's in partnership with Reese Palmer. Uh, But then we also just launched the Rosetta Fund with uh, Marissa Moss, who's a music journalist and author, to support marginalized storytellers, podcasters, music journalists, because, you know, these stories need to be told by people who get them, you know, the gatekeepers. So so we're trying to support... To build that reservoir of talent as well. So, yeah,
0: that's so cool. That so I've got so cool. um, <laughs> I've got a big question I'm about to ask you, where I kind of get you to distill some of your wisdom. But before oh. before that, um, this is now new to me. But um, we'll be stopping down momentarily for okay. a word from our sponsors. And three, two, one, and we're back. All right. Kelly McCartney, um, this has been so great. I really, I like, I, like I keep saying, I love, I love hearing different stories, and they all surprise me. But yours is so fun and all over the place, and it's really cool. And, um, <laughs> but I, I, I wonder if, um, well, you know, actually, before we get to the the final distillation of your wisdom, I'm just, I wonder about you. You seem like such a like a light bubbly like presence, right? But I'm assuming that that you, that you battle with some internally generated obstacles, maybe um, voices inside of you that tell you that you can't do something or you shouldn't do something or you're not good enough. And I just wonder um, what have you figured out to, to get past that, to combat those?
1: Well, it's so lovely to hear that I present as a light bubbly figure. <laughs> because in, inside, honestly, I'm a cranky old man. Um, <laughs> my girlfriend actually yesterday I said something about that. She's like, "Well, you hide it really well." I'm like, okay, good. A lot of practice. Um, gosh, that is that's a that's a really interesting question. Yeah, I mean, I think. I think trusting my gut, which has taken a lot of practice over the years. Um, I mean, I've always had a weird self-confidence. And here's (laughs) the perfect example of it. In sixth grade, I had to get glasses, braces, and headgear. And I had to wear the headgear to school. Like for six months, I had to wear it 24-7. And somehow, all of that in sixth grade didn't really ding me. Like I was still the smartest kid in class, and I knew that, so I was just like, "Come on, try, try to bring it." I, you know <laughs> It was like I dared people to to mess with me, and nobody did. Um, and so, yeah, I think I've always had something like that. You know, I grew up in Louisiana, but I knew I. Was not of that place. I was from there, but not of there. So I've always sort of had something pulling me forward, and you know, you can call that whatever you want. I don't, I don't care. Um, but I've, I've always trusted it, and so I, th- and I think that's been a, a you know, a large through thread through my career. It's like, oh, okay. I feel compelled to do this. I don't know why we'll just, you know, hold my nose and jump kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, it's kind of trusting. I had to, some, I did an interview with this magazine last week and they, they asked for five life lessons. And I said, breathe deeply, embrace stillness, walk often, trust life and something else, I don't even remember the next the last one, but yeah to just to trust to surrender, you know I mean that's a big it's a been a big thing for me. It's just like surrendering control and trusting that I'm gonna be taken care of because I always have been I've had some very, very low moments, not gonna lie, um emotionally, financially, professionally, every which way. But something in me was just like, okay, let's just let's just breathe through this and and let it let it show me what it needs to show me and learn what it needs to teach me and take the next step kind of a thing I love that It's funny something you said
0: um about knowing that you were destined for something else or another place or or maybe bigger things I, 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 I just I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that that was a feeling that I kind of felt. And I think it's something that that happens a lot to people who wind up doing this weird, brave, creative life. Um, And I'm and I think that we don't talk about it because it sounds narcissistic or grandiose. But I wonder I wonder if there's something actually really valuable in. And I wonder if this is something that you felt like a sense of destiny, like I'm destined for something cool, like something that's, that's meaningful.
1: Mm Do you
0: think that's, do you think that's okay to say that?
1: I do, because I don't think it, I don't think it necessarily is narcissistic or grandiose. Like for me, um, it was just something other than where I was and who I was. I didn't know what it what it was good I didn't know that within two or three years of you know again let's use Susanna as the model it's like 1986 Manic Monday comes on I'm like every other 16 year old let's just say boy just swooning and then three years later I'm her personal assistant who how how does that happen I don't know I don't know I mean I know I i took some steps to help it along, but otherwise that was just you know that was just the magic of the universe to me and again, you can call that whatever you want but um yeah, I didn't know that that's what it where I was destined, but I knew I was destined for something so and i and I think that everybody has their their destiny. I'm a believer in, in fate versus free will. And this is a big, big debate with people. Um, (laughs) So it's just like, I just, I prefer to, to trust the universe is way smarter than I am, way more creative, way more imaginative. And I'm, I can daydream, Rhett. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie, but um, yeah, I would rather surrender that control and, and let the goodness unfold in front of me than try to force anything.
0: That's great. Boy, talk about narcissism, thinking that you're smarter than the universe, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's funny. Boy, or that's... that you
1: can control it. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> there, yeah, so God, I think this is my 86th or 87th interview I've done. and And that's the first time that I've really remembered like being a kid myself and looking in the mirror and thinking like, I'm special. And and I and I I always had something in me that thought, "Ugh, oh, that's gross. You're not allowed to think that." Which that's sad that kids would have that. But boy, now that I think about it, I got a couple of teenagers upstairs. I hope that they're able to look in the mirror and say, "I'm special." And even perhaps have a sense of destiny that there's something really cool out there that they're the that, that, that's great. I'm so glad you brought that up. That's a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah. So Um, finally, I wonder, this is the distillation of wisdom section. I wonder if you were to run into a 21 year old version of yourself, um, in today's world, uh, what advice might you give yourself?
1: Ooh, um, in today's world, that's, Mm. that's the key, right?
0: That's the problem.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think put the phone down is one would be one piece of advice. Um, You know, I, I had this realization maybe five years ago and I I swear I can almost picture where I was driving in Nashville at the time when it came to me. And it, it was this idea that if something's meant to be, there's nothing you can do to stop it. And if something's not meant to be, there's nothing you can do to force it. So Really, there's nothing you can do other than show up, right? Just show up, be as present as you can in every moment, and and bring your best self to every moment. And again, let the universe do the rest. Like that, I I as I've gotten older, which I am older, Rhett. Um, like I I keep leaning into that more and more of just you know if i can just be my best and bring my best to every moment then that's that's my responsibility in life you know and and what's brilliant about it is that if something like you know say you're in, in a relationship and you do that and it still doesn't work out well okay like there's no regret or remorse because you, you did your best. You know, there's nothing to fret about because like, oh, okay. It wasn't me because there's nothing more I could have done or brought. So it's just, it's kind of, it just takes a lot of pressure off. So yeah, I don't know that 21, I don't know that any 21 year old would be willing to heed that advice, but <laughs> hearing it might, I don't know, might be helpful.
0: I, well, if they were going to take any advice, it would be you telling them to be open, right? Just be open to the universe because that's yeah. like the opposite of rules. That's like, yeah, let it happen. I love yeah. that. And, and I I think, you know, you're living proof that that living a life like that can take you to exciting places and is, is a life well lived from, from what it sounds like. I, I'm so glad I got to talk to you. This is really cool, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh, my absolute pleasure. Yeah.
0: This is great. And, um, and maybe one of these days we can meet in the middle, right on the line between the upstate and Hudson Valley and <laughs> the CIA. Yeah. We'll have lunch yeah. together at the Culinary Institute.
1: Deal. That'd be great.
0: <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Kelly McCartney. Take care.
1: Yeah, you too, buddy.
0: All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all.